This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I am Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me are Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell. And uh, still shut down. Every Still locked in, and just like everybody else. Uh, no spring ball. That's a bummer. I'm really, really missing sports around this time, but we're all in it together. And, and uh, you know, hopefully at some point we'll learn that when there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, let's get an update on how the guys are doing, though. Uh, Rusty, what's going on with you, man? Oh, I, I sent you guys a tweet before uh, we started this. I thought it was classic Jim Abbott. So at this point, I'd watched the first half of an NBA regular season game, and that, that is that is exactly the way I feel right now. Um, I would go anywhere to, to watch a uh, football game, a hockey game, a soccer game, a field hockey game, anything where score is being taken uh, and some competition, so – we always say this, there's bigger problems in the world, but man, it, when you realize sports is gone, it is so, it is so, um, it makes you numb. Cause I mean, this is what we do. We cover this for a living and, and I'm just, it, it's, you start looking at the bigger picture and when can this come back and those types of things. And I think today was supposed to be an opening day of baseball. So, you know, I know that kills Steve Wilfong and Steve, uh, you know, our national guys, he takes a trip with his, um, High school buddies, they go to the opening day of the Cubs every year, sit in the outfield on opening day, which is a great tradition for those guys. So we're missing a lot. Could be a lot worse. And, you know, what's going on in these cities? But, uh, you know, right now, I'm just for anything, anything right now. In fact, I'd like to see you and Kip side-by-side Peloton and let's see who can burn the most calories in an hour. And let's just, let's just go at it. I would say hey, if you're, I, if I if you're paying for the Peloton, let's do it. <laughs> I'd be watching. I'm not saying I'm competing. I would be reporting hey, on that. If you do, hey, you want to buy me a Peloton, <laughs> I'll do it. Let's go. I, I, I'll entertain you like that. Uh, I tell you what, though, oh, this, I tell you, Joe Exotic and and Tiger King, oh, my God. Uh, that I haven't seen it yet, but like releasing that at this point in time yes. is, I mean, if that's in that, and from what I gather, the guy loves attention. Yeah. He's gotten the max amount of it. All right, because that thing is sweeping the yeah. streets right now, and I haven't seen it yet. I'm saving saving that bullet, but I'm not uh, gonna I'm not going to spoil it for you. But I'm gonna tell you, and Kip is 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 our Netflix five star. He tells us what to watch, what's great, great on the board with the guys. I'm gonna tell you this: I have never watched anything that continued to have twists and turns. Like this, it, it's amazing to me. It took this long for that to make it to a series, but man, did they release that at the right time? It absolutely. I, I, y'all know me. Y'all have worked with me for a long time. For me to be up at two a.m., it, it's 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 that's on a, on a weeknight and at, at the house. I watched that thing on two a.m. last night to finish it up. Two days, I finished that thing. It was 
It's crazy. Kip, what you been up to, man? I actually got outside the house. Been doing some some yard work and just getting some of that, you know, that fresh air that that everyone's supposed to be getting while staying a safe distance away from each other and and uh, you know, uh getting some work done in the backyard, which is kind of new for me myself, I'm not going to lie. It's not uh my area of expertise. I'd I'd much be I'd be better prepared telling you guys what shows to watch and 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 movies and things of that nature, but uh, you know, just adding some new experience and getting out there and, and getting some of that done. It's, it's, you know, been kind of refreshing, but also kind of weird. So uh, I think it's, you know, we hit that point where we're, we're outside of our comfort zone a long time ago. I mean, we've been watching marbles race on Twitter as a form of sports. I mean, that's one of the be- the better tweets. The, the last couple of weeks was just people doing play by play of marbles, you know, racing. I think that's when we know that we're kind of at a, uh, a desperation point for for sports we're getting play by play on stuff like that and play by play on on uh, just people shopping and things like that so i think we're all just coping and 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 dealing with this in different ways and and ready to kind of uh maybe get back to uh you know somewhat normal day-to-day activity in the near future i'm ready to to, to get back inside and and uh you know get back in some other shows i think uh you know, I'm ready for Ozark to come out this week, and hopefully that show can bounce back and 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 kind of uh, go back to where they were in season one. So, I mean, I'm still watching shows. I, I'm in season four, Dexter, right now, kind of grinding away at that show. But other than that, you know, just kind of the same same routine, getting uh, you know, more and more content out there for for Dogs Two Four Seven. We're not going to stop writing. There's still stuff that you know, info that can be brought. To the masses and i think that's uh i think we've been doing a pretty good job with this over the last month overall just the 24 7 sports it's impacting everyone but man there, there's content coming out every day f- from our company and it's just been really impressive absolutely and and i do know this uh you know i mean it's to to know that there are so many people out there that that are impacted by this thing uh and you know whether it's you're making less money whether you got laid off or whatever I hope it's an outlet for those folks, um, you know, and I know for myself personally, very, very fortunate and, and, and count my blessings every day that that we're able to work from home and do what we do. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's 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 a little more challenging and, I, and I'll definitely take the challenge, you know, take the good with the bad there. Uh, having kids all over the place. And, you know, I, I wrote a story yesterday with my son trying to bang on my keyboard. Uh, while I was writing it, and that was a lot of fun. And he's got—he was showing some uh, some signs of some quick, violent hands at 11 months old. I'm I'm hoping that, that that's a, a sign of things to come. He's got a little football; he likes it a lot. So we'll can you see get, can you get him in camp. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if we can get him in. We'll I'll, I'll pay his fee and get him in there. And uh, at, maybe after he turns one, maybe after you can start walking a little bit, but uh let's let's jump into kind of our our primary topic today and obviously a lot of the focus is going to be able to be on the team and we're gonna we're gonna talk recruiting at the end of the show but um i wrote a story last week about kind of the guys impacted the most by the fact that there's no spring practice and and i think we kind of sort of hit on this on our last podcast but but i thought kind of you guys got kind of got my take i gave you 10 I wanted to see what Rusty and Kip thought about that. And Kip, I'll start with you. One guy 
that you feel like is the most impacted by not having spring uh, spring practice? And obviously, let's just throw Jamie Newman out because you know he's the new guy's quarterback, he's most important position, new office coordinator, all that stuff. But let's just kind of toss him out of the picture. And and without him in there, who do you think the lack of a spring practice impacts the most? You know, I, I really – I don't know if it impacts him the most, but I really wanted to see Zemir White out there. Uh, you know, he, he was able to come back from, you know, back-to-back ACL injuries last year. And we kind of started to see a little, you know, glimpses here and there of what he can do. I mean, now no DeAndre Swift, no Brian Harrion. You know, the, that thousand-yard streak, you know, will it continue this year if it's going to. I mean, he's got the best chance of being Georgia's, you know, next 1,000-yard rusher. And, and so I wanted to see this spring kind of, you know, where he is. And we saw Nick Chubb come back from from his knee injury and, and get just as strong, if not, you know, stronger than he was before now, you know, with the Cleveland Browns being one of the top rushers, you know, in the NFL. A lot of question marks with him as where he was going to be able to, you know, get his explosiveness back, his change of direction. Now, obviously, Nick Chubb, you know, he's kind of just a different breed as far as just the, that work ethic that he always has. And, and he had that before the injury, and that really helped him. So that's, I mean, that adds even more intrigue. I want to see where Zamir White is. You know, he's uh, he's posting videos of him working out all the time. He seems to have, a, you know, that similar, you know, desire, similar just, able to push himself when no one else is around you know he has that but i want to see if you know if he's if he's got the lateral quickness you know if if, if he, ha- he has the confidence now can can he come into you know this year this spring and, and show that explosiveness in you know, his high school film and rusty he'll probably agree with this it's it's some of the best that i've seen in my 14 15 years of covering recruiting i mean we didn't really get Adrian Peterson wasn't really in our wheelhouse, and that was, you know, kind of before we were really doing this to begin with. But as far as covering Georgia recruiting and guys they've recruited, his high school film is at the top of the list for us. And so seeing him look like that again would be huge for Georgia's offense. I mean, again, we brought up Jamie Newman, brought up new offensive coordinator, you know, new – new offensive linemen moving into starting positions. If you're able to have a guy who's a game changer at running back and a guy who can have, you know, 15, 18 carries a game, even with Georgia rotating, if you have a guy that you can lean on late in games and know that he could still break off big runs and tire defenses down, it changes everything. So being able to see that form of Zemir White uh, is something that I was wanting to see, and I'm sure obviously Georgia fans are wanting to see as well. We're going to have to wait a little bit longer to see that, but I mean that's something that could really transform this offense and, and kind of bring it back, uh, you know, to one of the more explosive in the country. Yeah, I can see that, and he's definitely one of the guys I wanted to get get eyes on uh, this spring, along with Kendall Milton, along with Kenny McIntosh, because there's just such a changing of the guard there, the running back position. Rusty, who who's the one guy that you think may be impacted by this thing most? Obviously, again, not Jamie Newman. Yeah, you know, obviously I go I'll go the route with uh, Kip there, and and I think uh, Kenny McIntosh was a guy that. Um, I'll go two. I'll go Kenny McIntosh and Dewan Mathis. You know, I know the um, all the eyes are going to be on Jamie Newman, and certainly he'd be the number one candidate in this topic. But you know, we've got such a small sample of Dewan Mathis, and uh, you know, just I don't want to 
put too much on him, but he definitely uh, had had earned some respect to some guys around there. His athleticism, uh, how tall he is. I mean, this this is a this is a tall drink of water now. This guy and and um, maybe a little more athletic than people give him credit for. So we're going to get a good sample size of Dewan Mathis, even if it's you know no no quarterback was going to get tackled during the spring anyway. So it wasn't like. Uh, he's not going to get the same amount of reps or the same intensity of reps as the other guys. And I just think Kenny McIntosh is a guy that that uh, is really, you know, went back and watched some stuff on him in high school, went back and watched some of the, uh, you know, the small sample size we did get him in games. And from what I talked to people, you know, down around the team, I mean, this is a guy that, that uh, many might not be talking about, but, but I definitely think that uh, Kenny McIntosh can uh, – can, can can take a step forward if he was given that opportunity this spring, and we'll see what happens this summer. And as we move forward toward the, uh, um, as we move forward toward the uh, hopefully the season, and um, you know getting into practice and, and those types of things, and you know what they get to do in the summer. But I would go with Kenny McIntosh and Dewan Mathis, two guys on offense. Hey, uh, I won't call audible here. I'm going to give my offense a guy, and then let's cycle back through, and let's all give one on defense because the one I I wanted to give is on the offensive side too. And and for me, it's it's uh, it's it's Justin Schaefer, I think, and and I think that he's a guy, and and I'm not even 100 percent positive that I put him on my top 10 list, but the more I got to thinking about it uh, since then, you know, Schaefer's coming off a neck injury. It's 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 do or die time for him in terms of playing time. Uh, if he's not going to start now, he's never going to because this is last year with the program. And uh, I think that he also kind of falls into that list of guys that have to absolutely positively stay as as engaged as possible during this layoff where he's got to work out by himself because he's a he's a naturally a big dude. Uh, you know, if he, if this guy wants to take three weeks off, he can weigh 355, 360 pounds in a heartbeat. And, and I just think that he's a guy that, that could have really benefited from getting a lot of first-team reps this spring and, and really taking over that left guard spot because uh, he, he, got some, he got some experience last year. And I talked to people close to the program now after, um, after the Tennessee game, and they were very, very happy with the way he was playing. They, they were very they, – they loved his maturity. They loved his physicality. I know that's something Sam Pittman loved about him early on why he re- recruited him is, is he, he kind of had an edge to him and they loved the way he was playing the game before he got hurt in that South Carolina game and he's a guy that you know when you start talking about all of the turnover on the offensive line how everything's going to change I, I really think that that getting him settled in and locked into that starting left guard job you know Ben Cleveland's obviously the favorite to win it at right guard and then you know I think your offensive line is a lot more settled with the spring in general, but a lot more settled also if Justin Schaefer is is allowed to kind of come back and work through some of the rust and shake some of the rust off from that neck injury. Uh, Kip, who's your defensive guy? Well, with with J.R. Reed gone, I, I got to go with Lewis Seen. I, I think yeah, it's that's a guy- that's a good one, man. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and compliment you on that one. That's a really good one. I mean, you know, the good news. I mean, it's it's not so much a guy that needed this spring because he was around last spring he's been on campus the whole year and he did get a couple starts last year i thought he looked really good in the in the sugar bowl win over baylor but still a guy that i wanted to see you know make that 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 jump gear two 
you know, now we, we, we get to see how much he's developed, you know, that growth that he's been able to have being in the program. You know, he, he still it was a little bit raw last year, but the upside is there for him to be better than J.R. Reed, you know, at the position. But, he, you know, it's it's still potential right now. So this spring would have been a great opportunity just to kind of see where he is in that development. You know, he I, he's not locked into that starting job, but obviously I would say that he's probably the favorite to fill in for J.R. Reed. And, I mean, he's got the talent to be a, a major playmaker in, in the back of that defense and you know you get a lot of talk about the linebackers uh, you know the cornerbacks and I mean even the the defensive linemen with with guys like Trevon Walker guys that have a lot of physical upside but you know Lewis Seen has that that range that that Georgia really just hasn't had at the safety position in a while I mean him and Richard LeCount back there, I mean, they have a chance to have the best, you know, maybe the best safety tandem in the SEC. He, and he's also just big and physical enough to he can, you know, play closer to the line of scrimmage and, and help and run support. He gives you a lot of options because of that physical upside. So seeing him this spring would have, you know, really just given us a chance to kind of see if he's a if he's got this defense down, if he if he's playing fast uh, enough and, and picking everything up to to make all the checks and calls, because the one thing about J.R. Reed, I mean, he might not be the best athlete, you know, heading potentially to the NFL in this draft class, but as you know, as far as you know, everything instinctively making the calls, not being in the wrong place. I mean, J.R. Reed was one of the best. And so that that's where you want to see if if Lewis Seen is is making some developments in that area, uh, because uh, you know JRE was rarely out of position and rarely gave up big plays. I mean, he was not chasing a lot of guys down from behind, and so that's I mean that's something that didn't really get talked about a lot with with Georgia's defense last year, and it's something that you know you want to see Lewis Seen. M- really make some improvement in that area or, you know, show that he can play similarly to J.R. Reed and then provide that physical upside as well, potentially improve the defense, but also you don't want him giving up big plays. So that's really just what I wanted to see from him. Obviously, the talent is there for him to to really have a breakout season this year. You know, and Kip, another another layer to that is the fact that we learned last year that when J.R. Reed didn't play – in in the Sugar Bowl, the first the only game he didn't start his entire career at Georgia that he was eligible to play. Obviously, he set out the whole 2016 season, but the only game he missed over three years was that game. And Richard LeCount filled his shoes and and was able to kind of quarterback the defense. He was able to do something that Kirby Smart continuously gave J.R. Reed uh, props for uh, throughout you know the 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 2018 and 2019 season. Georgia needs you know, Lewis seen to kind of develop that part of his game too, uh, that, that ability. I mean, I know he's not going to be adept at it uh, to begin with. I know it's going to take some time, but going ahead and getting that process started of learning the defense, learning where everybody needs to be in front of him is huge because now you're sitting there with, Hey, if Richard LeCount gets turf toe, like Tyson Campbell did last year, gets a high ankle sprain, has to miss a few games. Then you lose your quarterback in, of the defense. I mean, he's not the guy that's calling the defense, but all the checks and everything like that, that's the only guy out there who can see 
all eleven or sorry, all ten players in front of him at once, and you know, the safety position. So if if Georgia doesn't have that for some reason, with you know if Richard LeCount has to miss some time, they're going to really need Lewis Seen to kind of step up and be that guy. Maybe Chris Smith has that ability if he's the guy that steps in because you know he's going into his third year on campus. But it's an important role and something that needs to be kind of developed. Rusty, who's your guy? Who, who do you think you know is impacted the most by missing spring ball? Um. Just for my sake, curiosity, I want to see Quay Walker. I think Quay Walker is a guy that's, um, you know, so big, uh, just kind of different dynamic in that linebacker position and how they were going to use him. I think Trayvon Walker as well is a guy you want to see. Um, you know, very – we've talked about this, and, I, and I, we've not hidden the fact that we think Georgia – is extremely talented. In fact, I've went on record and say this might be, um, you know, one of the best defenses ever at Georgia. I don't know that Kirby Smart um, is going to get this type of length, speed combination together with guys, upper class. It's hard to do. But, you know, far as for me, looking at a guy, I really want, I'm interested in Quay Walker because when you see, uh, Jake, you see it every day. But tell the people when you see Quay Walker, he looks different than the other guys in that room. Am I right? Yeah, no, no doubt. He's um, uh, Channing Tindall's kind of got that same look to him too a little bit. But Quay Walker's just—I mean, he looks like an outside linebacker playing sure. inside linebacker. He kind of reminds you of those Alabama linebackers. I mean, it wasn't—it wasn't so different last year when Tay Crowder was running around out there because Tay Crowder's a really big dude too. But Quay Walker just—he just has a different look about him in terms of the height and the length and. And and you know he he has a true Mike linebacker mold from from what you want out of that position these days. I you know and and we look at those guys you know and and listen, Nicobe Dean is gonna most likely slide into that role and uh, be that guy along with Monty Rice. But you know we would get a bigger sample size from him you know and and uh, those types of things. So defensively. There's there's some questions, not nearly the questions on the offensive side of the ball, and um, I just really look forward to watching this defense and seeing what they can do. Because I'm telling you now, they they've got guys, they got guys coming. You know, you're about to add Jalen Carter in the mix to this to this group, and I, I've made no bones about that. Kip saw him down at Under Armour. You're talking about a dominant, dominant, athletic defensive lineman um, who who. I will have no bones of saying it, and, and I don't have the the pull of the opinion, but I think he was a top five player in the country uh, last year, and I think this guy is going to be um, could have a Derrick Brown type career at Georgia, barring no injuries and that type of thing. He's that big, he's that athletic, and and um, can, can flat out looks to me like he can be a dominating player. So we'll see with all those. But getting back to the original question, I think Quay Walker is a guy that could have benefited. I think for for my sake, I could have see I got a chance to see him. Uh, just because I know uh, how big he is, fast he is, and how they're going to use him this year. You know, you talk about that. You mentioned a good point. Looks like an outside linebacker. Um, I know they're not going to. They have at times because he's a spy. But, Jake, let me, let me throw you a quick question. What do you do if you're Kirby Smart? What do you do if you're Dan Lanning? If in October, September, you're sitting here and you got a six foot four, 225-pound guy that can run like a deer, um, Playing behind Nolan Smith, playing behind Jermaine Johnson, playing behind Aziz Ojolari, 
could you potentially move Adam Anderson inside? He's never played that. I've known him since the ninth grade. But is this well, a guy I mean, inside? Yeah, they're going to find – Adam Anderson's. he's almost like – He's almost like your gadget guy on defense. He, you know, you hear about the gadget guys on offense, the speed sweep guy, the offensive weapon. That's kind of what Adam Anderson is. I mean, I think they're going to rotate so much at outside linebacker, and the defense is going to be so good. It's going to have teams in the third down a large, a long, a large portion of the time. That that I mean, they're they're going to find roles. There's a lot of mouths to feed there for sure, but they're they're going to continuously kind of have him there. They're also loaded at inside linebacker, Rusty. I mean, that's just – they're loaded there too. So, I mean, you got you got a guy like Channing Tindall who couldn't get his way onto the field last year except on third downs. And that – I mean, that, that – go and not only that, but you've got like Ryan Davis and, uh, and Tresman Marshall there at inside linebacker. I mean, yeah. I was talking to somebody the other day. If you look at – if you count Channing Tindall in there because he played so much on third down early in the season before he suffered that broken bone in his leg – Georgia played regularly ten linebackers. Okay, nine of them are coming back. That I, I mean, that's the, the only one they're losing is Tay Crowder. And and as much as I had a lot of respect for Tay Crowder and thought he was a very impactful player and a really good player for Georgia, um, you know, he's probably you know if you count among those ten linebackers in the bottom five. No, he is. He is in the bottom five of those ten linebackers that Georgia played last year. So I mean. I don't know. I mean, Adam Anderson practiced with the inside linebacker some last year, but I think that had more to do with kind of the role he played on third down. But yes. they got all sorts of pieces they can move around. I mean, it's almost like they stacked a team together on on create a team on on NCAA or something like. They just you know went out and handpicked a bunch of guys that they can just have a ton of depth and a ton of speed, and that's what they've got at that, at that spot. I'm gonna say this, and I'm not trying to piss anybody off. And we, there, nobody wants a season more than us. Nobody, those players and those coaches, because of what we do for a living and covering it and, and, you know, what we do day to day. It would be absolutely beyond bad if we don't have a football season. Because you imagine the guys that would lose that wouldn't get to play this season that would either be seniors or guys that would leave early because they have a very, very, very upper-class uh, defense. And a lot of talented guys are going to have to make decisions on going pro early next year. So, you know, you look at that and you start thinking, God, you know, you don't want to talk about it. You don't want to think about it. But just the flip side of that, Georgia's defense, man, if they can get these guys to the field, how experienced they are. I just think it's the right mix, hearing good things. they got great leaders on that side again. Uh, a lot of questions on offense, but, man, I'm telling you right now, this defense absolutely could be lights out even better than last year. Yeah, I was um, – w- one of the things I've told some guys that, that I've spoken with, I think I said in a radio interview is – and I may have re- – I think I re- wrote this on the site too, but when, you're st- when you start talking about, hey, what's your biggest question for Georgia's defense? Safety depth. When when that's your biggest question, I mean, there's a lot that's going right. I mean, there is a lot. Who's going to be the number three? Who, who's going to be the number four safety, really? Because Chris Smith's going to be the number three. But when you start looking at who's going to be your, you know, fourth man up at safety, 
that's that's incredible. I mean that that shows you how deep this group is, and and to me, it's corner, it's it's linebacker. Obviously went over that defensive line. Maybe you're worried about a guy or two, you know, kind of stepping up and stepping in and and kind of joining the fray there. But but uh, it, it's just an extremely talented group, and and you know, as far as my guys that are impacted the most by missing spring. Um, I've got I've got one, and then I've got one maybe one potential guy, and and my my one guy is Tyreek Stevenson. Um, I think Tyreek Stevenson is, is a baller. I think he's going to play a huge role in Georgia's 2020 defense, uh, come hell or high water. But Tyreek Stevenson is a guy that I've projected, and I feel like I've gone out on a limb doing this as the the starting star slash nickel guy. Because that guy's on the field a ton. I mean, like 80%, 90% of the time, maybe more. And I think Stevenson is how you draw it up at that spot. He's six foot one, six foot two, 200 pounds. He can blitz. He can cover in man. He can cover in zone. He can spy the quarterback. He can do all of those things. And Georgia has two experienced guys there already in Mark Webb and Devod Wilson. So he's going to have to jump over those two guys to start there. But I really think he's got the ability, and I think he's got the ability to be a Minka Fitzpatrick type player there and, and just be a bona fide stud. Uh, he may also cross train at safety. And, and kind of be a factor there as well. So that, that's something to keep an eye on. And and I think that having Spring to kind of learn that star position and would accelerate his growth. And then kind of in that same Justin Schaefer mold, uh, Jordan Davis could possibly be a guy that really misses spring ball this year. And, and what I mean by that, and I wouldn't really go into detail on this, but Kirby Smart brings it up himself. I mean, Jordan Davis last year, but prior to last spring, Kirby Smart told the guys over at 680 the fan, I think it was Buck Ballou who was doing the interview. He was like, Hey, have you seen Jordan Davis lately? We got to get him in shape. And that's one of those guys that when you're left to your own devices and you decide to take three or four or five days off in a row or or you're unable to eat the way you're supposed to eat and things like that, that body can get away from you. That blessing of 6'6", 320 pounds can become a little bit of a curse at 6'6", 380 pounds. So, um, you know, I'm not saying you can gain 60 pounds in the blink of an eye. I, I probably could if I tried real hard. I can. Yeah, yeah I, I, I mean, we can. <laughs> Maybe Jordan Davis is a little slower at it than we are. Uh, but but at the end of the day, I think that's that's one you've got to keep an eye on too. And I think he's a guy that could really be impacted by no spring practice. Let's take a break real quick. On the other side, we got two things we want to talk about. We want to talk about George's latest commitment, and we want to share some some Todd Gurley stories because Todd Gurley's headed to the Falcons, and and we kind of want to look back on Todd's career at Georgia and and our experiences with him. But let's take a break real quick. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we've all got good Todd Gurley stories, I'm sure. Uh, I'm, I think I'm going to lead this one off because this is kind of a special one for me. Uh, I, you know, I was I was teaching high school and coaching high school football and, and things like that. I'd taken a year off from coaching high school ball, and I came into covering recruiting over uh, over at Rivals.com when 
uh, I think it was like right mid year, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure it was like right there in December, and uh, it, the opportunity come on come to to take the job full time. I jumped at the opportunity. I resigned, uh, which was a really tough decision. Loved the kids that I had, but um, I resigned right there at Christmas break. And then coming out of Christmas break, Todd Gurley's going to make his decision on where he's going to sign. And and so uh, I go all the way up to Tarboro, North Carolina, which is probably the the longest, like the the more furthest I've ever traveled to cover a commitment. And it felt about twice as long as it was. I think it was like seven hours. Felt like it was about 10, maybe 14. It's almost up in Virginia. So I drive all the way up there, get ready to cover that whole announcement. As I'm going up there, and I, and I think it was kind of like a rookie initiation type thing, uh, some Georgia fans and some you know fans that have followed this long enough will remember his name, Ryan Bardo. Uh, he was he was working for Rivals.com at the time covering, covering Clemson. He was, I, guess, I think he was messing with me the whole way up there. He's like, hey, man, I'm here in Clemson. I'm here in Clemson. So I'm I'm an hour away from Tarboro. I've been on the road all day, tired. Ryan's messing with me. You know, you 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 get to a point where you just don't want to travel seven hours to cover a commitment and not really have anything to write about. Just kind of an empty trip. Uh, so I'm there and I'm sitting there, you know, trying to get information of everybody. I'm there and then finally from from the Clemson side, a guy that covered it for Scout for a long time, Roy Philpot. Now does uh, play-by-play for ESPN. Uh, ran into him in, the, in a Georgia press box earlier this year, and had a we, we had a good laugh over it. He looks over to me and and, and says, "Yep, it's it's going to be Georgia." Just just got the word, and so you know, obviously you cover it, and then Todd Gurley commits. You don't know how big it is at the time. You you really don't. I uh, talked to his coach, and and I'll never forget his coach telling me because there was some talk about Todd playing safety at the time, and his coach uh, uh, Craddock was his last name. I can't remember his first name. First thing he tells me is if there's any if anybody plays this kid at any other position than running back, they need to be fired. Uh, I mean that's the first thing he said. I mean I thought it was so brash at the time, but but uh, Todd Gurley first event I ever covered as a sports writer was his commitment to Georgia, and and I, I I'm pretty sure I don't think either one of you guys were up there. I think I was the only you know UGA recruiting writer that was up there. You guys probably had people from from you know different sides of the network uh, up there helping you guys out, but. That was that's that's my number one Todd Gurley memory from Georgia. Uh, what's yours, Rusty? August the second, two thousand eleven. On this email I'm looking at right now is Barton Simmons, J.C. Sherbert, Steve Wilfong, and Gary Hamilton. We turned out a preseason top two four seven. You need to give your feedback, players who moved. I come in simply with, I think Todd Gurley should go to a four-star. This is a 215-pound kid that runs hurdles for Team USA. His tape is very good, getting overshadowed because of Keith Marshall in the same state. I will probably save that email for a little while. Um, I will not say the other two names that I've missed in the email. Let's just highlight the the points we're talking about. But uh, uh, it's crazy because... Jerry Hamilton comes in behind it, has some concerns. Barton Simmons comes in and says, I do think we should move Todd Gurley to a four-star. So that was on August the 3rd, 2011, which is crazy because people are like, what? I mean, but listen, everybody had him a three-star. And one of the things about Todd, uh, you guys know, many people don't, is he spent his summer running hurdles 
for Team USA, the under-17 team or whatever it was. So he got to hit like one camp early, and then nobody saw him again. So it was all about the tape and those types of things that was, wasn't so easy to come by. And it was a numbers game. We didn't have many people you know, working then as we do now uh, and able to get a hold of those kids and watch them. But you look at Gurley and uh, – you know, seeing a guy run those track times he did and the size he was watching his tape, um, I, I think his vision is obviously what separates him a lot of times. I mean, that guy gets in a hole and he's gone. Uh, he has a speed and a size. But I'll always say, hey, you know, in 24-7, in the first feedback, I was a guy like, let's go to four-star. You know, and hindsight, we, we had him way ahead of anybody else on 24-7. He goes to the Semper Fi game, and he really shows out. But what was good about that was they won the state championship in mid-December. I remember one of the only times I talked to that guy, the coach you're talking about, Jake, and, and I was going to go up there for the state championship game, and the, and the guy on Monday and Tuesday was like, look, we don't even know if he's going to play. His ankle is so messed up. We don't know he's going to play. So working with Gentry at the time, and he's like, "Let's just not do it," you know, you know. And I was like, "Okay," and and uh, we'll we'll get it from there because Todd at times would respond to you. I did a couple stories with him, trade some DMs, those types of things. Got enough information or articles on him, but um, I just remember, you know, here's the coach saying he may not play on Monday or Tuesday, and and the kid goes off for like 200 yards on Saturday night in the state championship for them to win it. Then he goes to Semper Fi, and I'm telling our guys, listen, this guy's banged up, so I don't know what he's going to do. He goes out there and dominates all week. So at that point, uh, you know, everybody in the industry had, had gotten up on him, but but uh, Gurley was special. And I don't know if you could write a more fitting story for him for the first time he ever touched the ball at Georgia uh, against Buffalo. He runs it back for a kickoff. And, um, you know, that that was incredible. That was a big – that was a – that was the – Big, 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 big recruiting win for Brian McClendon because I don't think people realize how close. I know you mentioned Roy Philpot, Jake. I don't think people realize how close that guy to Clemson at the end. He almost went to Clemson. Like, the, and we know the story of the guy leaking the story, saying he committed to Clemson. We obviously didn't, but that's how close Todd Gurley got to going to Clemson. You talking about a game changer? Georgia got him. Who knows? For in that 2012 SEC championship game with him, without him. Dude, I I had completely forgot about Cornblut yeah. releasing uh, dropping that story yep. about I don't and I don't know how I forgot it, but dropping the story uh, between I was between Raleigh and Tarboro at the time, and that's and I saw that story pop up and I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? And and the only reason like one of the only reasons I kept going because I was so inexperienced at the time. You guys know what this is like. Like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm like weeks on the job at this point. I'm sitting here thinking like, why am I going to do this? Heck, go back home, chill out, save, save about three hours of your life. And, uh, um, then the story got yanked down and, and it kind of became obvious that it was a pre-write that, yeah. that had gotten released and it's happened to, it's happened to the best of us, uh, before. Problem, so, you know, we know that, how that goes. Yeah, we do know that we've all had that. the problem with that was that, you know, he covered Clemson. Yeah. So when he and, and he was, you know, pretty respected at the time. When you leaked that, I remember, you know, Gentry was with me at the time, and we we're like, because I had to write a fearless forecast, whatever we used to do, the prediction. And, you know, I waited till late. I think I waited till that morning because I'm telling you now, there, there was a lot of people that thought at the end he was going to Clemson. I know for a fact, 100% fact, 
Georgia staff was worried. They were worried about Clemson all the way up until he said it. So um, Clemson made a late, late run on him. And, and when they leaked that, I was like, wait a minute, Gentry. I don't know. So um, it, was, it was an interesting last, you know, 24 hours for Todd Gurley. Kip, what you got, man? Yeah, I got to go along with Rusty. Yeah, I was at ESPN at the time, and I remember just going in there and, you know, talk, talking to those guys, discussing the, the rankings, and, and it fell in line with what the Gatorade Player of the Year discussion was going, and, and it was just kind of uh, surprising to me because Keith Marshall was the guy most people had ranked higher th- for most of the process, but just seeing what Todd Gurley did that senior season and, and just him playing basically, he played in 15 games and, and ran for like 200 and something yards in the state championship game. I think he was uh, dealing with, uh, was it quad or hamstring injury at the time? Just just playing through that. And then, you know, playing in three All-Star games. I mean, he played in the Semper Fidelis game. He played in the uh, the U.S. International Bowl. And he played in the Shrine Bowl as well. And so he basically played an 18-game schedule. And so, I mean, for me, it was, it was, it was easy. You, you, don't, you can't have much more production at that size and that speed than him. And, and clearly, he looked like the, the better player as a senior. But, you know, Keith Marshall still ended up being the, the higher-ranked player. For me, it was just interesting just how it all went down. I think you guys are right. I think Clemson felt pretty confident going into, you know, the final hours. Georgia was cautiously optimistic. And the it, just interesting because I remember in the weeks going up to that, uh, I got asked a lot about Mike Davis. You know, is Mike Davis going to go to Georgia? The running back from Stevenson, you know, an, an outstanding uh, prospect in his own right. And, you know, I continue to say that, he, you know, he's a good player, but but Georgia's got eyes on these two guys, Keith Marshall and, and Todd Gurley. And it was just interesting how, you know, everything fell into place because if you remember – Florida was trying to move, you know, they were trying to make a move on, on, on Keith Marshall and they were making that pitch to him that, Hey, Georgia's going after Gurley and it backfired on them. And Mike Davis decommitted from Florida. You know, he felt they weren't really being honest with him and, and they were recruiting another running back. And so he ends up at South Carolina, Georgia does land both guys. And I think that I think Florida they end up with Matt Jones I think in that class out of Armwood High School. Uh, it's just interesting how the dominoes fell, but Georgia was able to get the you know the two guys they wanted, and obviously it still worked out pretty well with them with Gurley. I mean he was real close to to going to Clemson, but it, it's just interesting had they had they not been able to win that battle. You know, would they have been able to to go back in and get back Davis, or would that have been too late for them? You know, that that was that was just what really stood out for me for that. And I think that, you know, Brian McClendon had a big win there. I think it, you know, North Carolina having the you know the issues they had at the time really knocked them out of it. But yep. you know, he he really felt comfortable with with uh, Brian McClendon, and I think that. You know, the relationship that Todd developed with Keith Marshall early on in the process also played a factor. I mean, that was the one, you know, they weren't sure if they were going to get Keith Marshall for a while. You know, they were able to land them. Those two guys met at the track meet and, and, you know, both track stars and they hit it off. And so they they shared a lot of feedback on the schools that were recruiting them. And they talked about the different pitches 
uh, they took their official visits to both Clemson and Georgia together in, in September and November of that year. And so, I mean, that really played a role as well. And so that relationship, they wanted to play together. They, they liked the pitch that Georgia made to them. And I mean, I, I think that it, it very easily could have gone another way. Uh, but obviously, you know, that's, that's given Georgia an outstanding to future recruits in North Carolina just because of how well it, it, you know, it, it did work out. And that's really just kind of what stood out to me in his recruitment was just, you know, how little things can have a huge effect. You know, how two guys meeting on the, you know, in a track meet and then just getting to know each other and, and deciding, hey, let's just go on the visits together and see, and see what happens. And obviously, Georgia won that battle, getting them on campus and kind of winning, uh, you know, winning them over. And it was, it was a huge week. I think that was uh, right after they got Jordan Jenkins. So it definitely um, was. So yeah. So I mean, you know, big week for them. And and obviously, again, with Todd Gurley coming back to Georgia, we wanted to kind of just go back and, and kind of go over that. But you know, I think it was we hadn't really seen. A guy that size, I mean, 6'1", 216 after his junior season, it's incredible. A lot of people, a lot of coaches thought that he might be a safety in college. And I just remember going into that summer after his junior year, he was kind of thought of as an athlete, listed as an athlete on some sites. And, and people were saying, is he going to be a safety? Is he going to be a running back? you know, at the next level. And it's just, uh, you know, it's just, that's kind of funny looking back and thinking about how different coaches see these guys and the evaluations, you know, how, how those things can change and, and maybe how important a senior season can still be toward an evaluation of a prospect. Because obviously with Todd Gurley, that senior season, I mean, you know, he blew up and we all kind of took a second look and said, Hey, wait a second, this guy might be really special. And he ended up being pretty special. Yeah, I can't imagine, you know, you, you always want to say, could he have done something different? I can't imagine him actually doing anything different, but can you imagine like a 6'1", 230-pound linebacker? I mean, he would have basically had Roquan Smith-type tools set maybe even a little faster. Uh, that was definitely after Jordan Jenkins' kit because I now remember uh, Jenkins committed on a Monday night uh, on, on Fox or whatever, and I went to his high school the very next day uh, uh, or a couple days later to um to uh to to go interview him i spent some time with him there and i drove straight from what is it hamilton is hamilton is it yeah hamilton harris county drove straight from there to tarboro that's probably why it felt like it took so long to be honest with you because that's that's west georgia to virginia uh basically and uh and yeah so that that was a long day and and another a little addition here to to the whole thing Todd has asked what made him pick Georgia there at, in back a press conference type format after announcing first thing out of his mouth you guys want to take a guess why as to why he chose Georgia food food the food that's the first thing you said the food so uh, and I think that was kind of a popular thing at that point. Uh, didn't a lot of guys have uh, the smoothies at East Campus Village? Was was one of the things they liked the ability to make their own smoothies. It was, I mean, so man, some of the reasons these kids were choosing where they wanted to go to school was was pretty outrageous. But Kip, I also remember too. We talked, you and I talked then because you know I had kind of interned under you and and helped you out a little bit whenever you were at Rivals, and uh, we talked on G Chat. 
uh, same way we talk now. Kip, ten years running, me and Kip are talking the same way we've talked ten years ago. Uh, but uh, um, I remember sending you a message one day, and I was like, "Hey, Todd Gurley or Mike Davis?" She's like, "No question, Todd Gurley." And uh, you nailed that one. You were all over it. I I had never seen either guy in person at that point because I hadn't been doing it very long. But I, I think I always look back at that as thinking it's pretty interesting. Meanwhile, George got a commitment this week. All right, and uh, the kid out of uh, the kid out of um, uh, Douglasville. Um, I, I'm drawing a blank. Jonathan Jefferson. I, I, there's so many Justins and whatever Jeffersons out there that I forgot his first name. But uh, Rusty, what do you think about this? He's a four-star prospect, obviously highly thought of. Yep. What do you think about him, and where do you think he fits at the next level? Uh, he has a lot of um, Zykevius Walker to him, and he has a lot of uh, Malik Herring to him. I think he's going to be that uh, you know three four D end that could slide down. You know, me and Kip had some people asking, so I asked Johnny White, who is someone we all know, coach down at Creekside. He uh, is two seventy right now, and he's going to carry three hundred easily. Um, he's a kid that um, is more athletic, I think, than people think. Talking to Coach White, the thing I think I love about Johnny White is he's always been. Uh, pretty straightforward with all his kids. Like, hey, this kid can play in the SEC. This kid's probably a Middle Tennessee State kid. This kid's probably a, you know, a Virginia kid. I mean, he's, you know, he's notorious about being straight with you, which is great. And when I hit him the other day, I said, hey, man, you know, you've been on me about this guy for a while. And he said, Rusty, this guy, this guy's going to be a problem. He goes, he's going to be, you know, 300 pounds. He can play defense in the end, or he can play defense as a tackle. Great work ethic. So, you know, for Georgia to take him this early uh, at a critical position tells you they really, really uh, like him. Now they've taken two guys, Marlon Dean from Elbert County. So, uh, you know, in-state is still a priority for Kirby Smart. And, you know, he said that on numerous occasions. Uh, this 2021 class is definitely uh, an in-state theme, I think, with all four kids being from in-state. And um, you look at you look at Jonathan uh, – legit six four type kid with a frame to uh to hold that 300 which is um you've got to keep those bigs in there keep those guys and um, you know i think that trey scott does a fantastic job of evaluating guys that fit what he coaches um let, let's look at jordan davis i mean he was a three-star and you know, certainly some other schools passed on him and Trey Scott was on him from the start, recruited him in North Carolina, carried that over into Ole Miss for a few weeks, and carried over to Georgia. Uh, guys like that fit their system. So I think this was another guy uh, that they felt like uh, was that body body uh, frame they looked for and, and athletic enough to play probably multiple positions for them. If he does fit at that defensive end position, I think that's a, it's a major get at this point in the process because they didn't get one. And in, in last cycle, not not kind of a bona fide, like you mentioned, Malik Herring, uh, a Trayvon Walker, a, a Jonathan Ledbetter type, somebody that could play that five technique. And, Kip, you and I have actually discussed this kind of on the side. Uh, if you do, how big is it to you, in, in your estimation, if he can play that defensive end position to kind of get a, that caliber of a player this early in the process? Because – uh, I think you and I have kind of both kind of come to agreement that defensive end might be the number one need for Georgia in this class. Yeah, I mean, defensive end 
inside linebacker, both positions they didn't sign someone in the previous cycle. They, they need to kind of load up at both positions. I think really what you know catches my eye on Jonathan Jefferson is just how many different ways his body can go. I mean, we've been told he's he's six four two seventy right now. I mean, he could he could grow into a you know a defensive tackle. He could grow into a guy that that plays you know nose tackle for Georgia, but I mean, Jake, you brought up a, a, a comparison that really caught my eye and I thought fits well with him is he compares favorably to where Jonathan Ledbetter was at this stage in high school. You know, coming out of Tucker High School, 6'4", you know, he was 260, 270 at the time. I mean, there's a chance that Jefferson maintains that similar frame and, and plays at 280 pounds. And I, I like the Ledbetter comparison a lot, seeing him play multiple times in high school. I think he's a guy that you know, really the last couple of years at Georgia kind of put it all together, you know, had, I think, 12 tackles for losses last two seasons at Georgia and really did a nice job, you know, at that, you know, that three, four end position. He, I, I think Jefferson's a guy that can play five technique and on passing down slide and side for Georgia. He's a guy that can play a lot of roles and be versatile. I just think that the one thing that, you know, you got to watch is how he physically develops uh, over the next year and a half. It's going to dictate kind of what what he brings to the table for Georgia. But as of right now, I mean, I'm, I like him at, at defensive end for Georgia. I think that if he stays in that similar frame, uh, can do a lot for Georgia. Uh, I think as far as a pass rusher, there's, you know, there, there's some upside there, but a guy that can really set the edge and, and you know, take what is given to him and, and and just track the ball and find it, I think that's what he does well right now at the high school level and gives him kind of, you know, I mean, you, you mentioned a guy like Malik Herring, but yeah, I really like the Ledbetter comparison. I think that's, that's where I am right now with Jonathan Jefferson. And if that's what they get, they get three, you know, four years uh, of Ledbetter-type play, uh, I think they're going to be really happy, and that he brings a lot. He brought a lot to the table then. I think Jefferson brings a lot to the table now. Georgia's got to continue to, uh, you know, recruit the defensive end position and the defensive line position in the in this class, and and try to get you know more numbers, uh, just to kind of have that position room stocked. Because again, right now they had a lot of upperclassmen, you know, last year, and they're really going to need to. To, to load up on the defensive line this cycle just to make sure that, you know, they have the the necessary depth needed at the position that's critical for their defense. Well, guys, I just looked at the time, and uh, as my dude Tony Schiavone would say, and I still pinch myself sometimes that I get to work with Tony Schiavone up there at UGA, we are desperately out of time. <laughs> so uh, I think that's all we got for this Junkyard Dogcast. We'll be back with you guys next week. Um, and, and hopefully be able to pick up the pace just a little bit on, on, on some topics and, and kind of explore some things. I uh, hope everybody's doing well. Uh, you know, if you, if you're, uh, if you need to talk, you need to kind of ask some questions or whatever, shoot us a DM over at, uh, or direct message over at the junkyard over at uh, dogs 24 seven. But for this episode, that's all we've got. I'm Jake Rowe, Kip Adams, Rusty Mansell. We're all with dogs 24 seven. And this has been the junkyard Dogcast. Take it easy, everybody. <laughs>